Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you? You guys enjoying your free car wash today? Yeah, that was a surprise. Hey, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're with us today. And we've been going through the book of Proverbs together as a church throughout the summer, and we've got some more time to do that together. But today we're going to just continue to dive in, look at these sayings that were given to us as general principles of how life works, written by a lot of them by one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon. And so Solomon collected these to pass on to his son to help his son learn what it means to grow in wisdom in life. And as we've seen in the book of Proverbs, so much of wisdom is making the right choice in how we live. Choose wisely. That's what we've called this series. And so today, as we dive back into Proverbs, we're going to be talking about our words and what Proverbs have to say to us about our words and why those matter. Have you figured it out yet in life that your words matter? That what you say can have great impact in life? I remember having a conversation with my wife, Christy, uh, several years ago, and we were just at the end of our day recounting our day to one another. It was some marriage advice that we were actually given before we got married by some friends who said, hey, one of the healthiest things that you can do is every day connect at the end of the day and just share your day together. And I was like, even the mundane? And he's like, even the mundane. It helps you stay connected. And so that's what we were doing on this day, just sharing our lives. And I was recounting to her this fairly intense conversation I'd had with someone earlier in the day. And this was a conversation that someone had come to me. They wanted to meet with me to process some things that were going on in their life. And as this person was sharing, I just felt like God was really putting it on my heart to speak very strongly and speak some truth into their life about the situation. But I was really kind of freaked out to do it. And yet, as this person sharing, I just felt like this was really what God wanted to do. And so I just started to speak and share with them what I thought about the situation And I was terrified by the intensity with which this person was hanging on my words. And I was telling this to my wife, Christy, like how this was freaking me out. Because I realized in that moment, I could do great harm to this person. Or I could do great good by what was coming out of my mouth. And as I was telling this to my wife, my wife just said to me something very simple yet very profound. And she just said this. She said, Joel... Your words have weight. And isn't that the truth about our words? That what comes out of our mouth has weight. That the things that we say can have an incredible impact on the lives of other people. It can have an incredible impact for their good or for their harm. But not only do our words have weight and have impact on other people's lives, our words have impact on our own lives, don't they? I mean, have you ever found yourself saying that thing and as it's coming out of your mouth, you're like, no, 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 no. Like you're trying to grab it and put it back in because it's too late once it's out, right? Yeah, our words matter. Let's look at a couple of Proverbs. They're on your message notes, a couple of Proverbs just as we get started today with this idea that our words matter. Proverbs 13, 3, it says this. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. That our words matter because what comes out of our mouth has impact. And then I love this proverb, Proverbs 18.6. This is what it says. A fool's lips bring him strife and his mouth invites a beating. (laughs) You know God's got a sense of humor when he lets us know things like that, right? But have you ever talked your way into trouble? Oh yeah, and that's what this proverb's talking about. See, our words have weight. Our words matter because they have impact in this world. They have impact in the lives of other people. They have impact in our own life. But our words matter for another reason as well. 
Our words also matter because what we say reveals a lot about who we are. And so I want to I pause here and look at something that Jesus had to say about words. So if you have your Bibles today, open them up to the New Testament book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to look at something that Jesus has to say about the importance of our words to help us understand why our words matter. And in Luke 6, verses 43 through 45, this is what Jesus has to say about words. And he's going to start with this analogy of of talking about a tree and how you can tell if a tree is good or not by the fruit on that tree. And so this is what he says. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Right, so just a a very simple analogy that he's using here, but you can tell a lot about a person by what the fruit of their life is, by by what's being born in their life. And and you just know this is intuitively true in your own life because stop and think about the times where you want to get advice on something in life. You know the kind of person you want to go to to get that advice, right? So as you're thinking, I want to learn about this area in my life, you start to make a list in your head of who would be someone good to ask. But you also make another list in your head too, don't you? You make a list of the people, there's no way I'm asking them about this because of their life, because of what I know about them, right? And so this is what Jesus says about this. Now look at verse 45. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And we see in what Jesus is saying here about our words, we see that our words matter because not only do they have impact in this world, but here's what he's saying here. This is why our words matter. Your words reveal your heart. And so what comes out of your mouth tells you a whole lot about what's going on inside of you and your heart as a person. And stop and think about that. If you want to learn something about someone, you can ask them, hey, tell me about yourself, right? So you want to learn something about a friend, you go on Facebook, you look at their online profile, and you see they're telling you all these things about themselves. But then you switch over to their posts, and you see what they're saying. You can learn a lot about that person, right? And so stop and think about this this week. Stop and think about the words that you have shared, the words that you've spoken in this past week. What do those words reveal about you? What do the words that you have said this week reveal about your heart and what's going on inside of you? You see, this is one of the reasons why our words matter. Not only because of the impact they have on us or on others, but our words matter because they can tell us a lot about what's going on inside of us. And when we understand this idea of what Jesus is talking about here, that our words matter because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks— That if we're willing to pay attention to the things coming out of our mouth, that our words can actually become a kind of diagnostic tool to help us understand what's going on in our hearts. And so today, that's what we're going to do as we jump into the Proverbs. And we're going to see in the Proverbs that the Proverbs talk a lot about our words, our mouth, our speech, our lips, and the things that come out of our heart. And what I want to invite you to do today is we're jumping into Proverbs. We're going to look at kind of four categories that we see in the Proverbs that talk about the way we use our words. And I want you to ask yourself the tough question today. Is this one of the ways I use my words? 
Because if so, you'll begin to find out in your life that this is going to reveal something about your heart. And so I think at some level, we all understand that our words have impact. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We're going to spend a lot of time on this other idea that our words matter because of what they reveal about us. And so we're going to jump into this. We're going to look at four areas. The first three are negative. The fourth one is positive. And this is going to hurt a little bit today, okay? But here's what I want to invite you to do. Don't check out. As we're looking at these areas that the Proverbs talk about, the way we use our words, you may find that some of these don't apply to you. Hey, great, don't check out though because you still want to wrestle with this principle because of what's coming out of your mouth that's showing what's going on in your heart. But as we talk about some of the ways we use our words, if you would say, you know what, this is true of me. These are the kind of words that come out of my mouth. Don't check out. Because what God would want to do is say, listen to those words because it's telling you about something that's going on inside of you. And God's going to begin to identify an area of your life where he is going to want to work in your life. So does that make sense? So this is what we're going to do. So here we go. This is going to hurt a little bit, but hang on. (laughs) Ways we use our words. Here's one of the first ways we see that Proverbs talks to us about the way we use our words. One of the ways we use our words is cruelly. Cruelly. It's using our words to hurt another person. Look at what it says there on your message notes. Proverbs 12, 18, it says this. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That as we grow in wisdom, we learn how to use our words well, and we can actually use our words to help other people. But if we're not growing in wisdom, it's very easy for us to use our words to hurt people. And reckless words pierce like a sword. Remember that silly little children's rhyme they taught us when we were kids? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. What a lie, right? I mean, they were so deceiving us and lying to us about that, right? Because that's only half true. Yes, absolutely, sticks and stones will break your bones. But guess what else will hurt you? Words. Words will harm you greatly. In fact, some of the reason why we go to sticks and stones is because of words that have been spoken to us, right? (laughs) Hey, why did you hit him? Oh, because of what he said about da-da-da-da, right? Oh, and so what a silly thing we've taught our kids, Man, words can hurt. And have you ever been torn apart by somebody's words spoken to you? I remember my sophomore year of high school, uh, my group of friends all decided that we were going to try out for the boys' junior varsity basketball team, which is a really bad idea on my part because I have no athletic prowess whatsoever. But here's what my friends are doing. So, okay, let's do this together. And so I remember the week of tryouts, and it was horrible for me because, like, I'm just master air balls, and I'm just getting no better at it. But I'm trying as hard as I can all week. And then I remember the last day of tryouts, coach comes up to me, and he pulls me aside, and he says, hey, Joel, I can see that you're working really hard at this. I wanted to know if, I wanted to ask you if you'd want to be a part of the team by keeping stats for us during our games. (laughs) Wow. There's such a thing as cruel laughter, you understand? Like, that wasn't very nice, right? But I was so honored that coach would want me to do this. So I remember going over to my friends and saying, hey, coach just asked me to be a part of the team by keeping stats. And then they laughed at me like some of you just did. So I was like, <laughs> but I didn't care because coach believed in me. And so I remember that whole, the whole season just going to the games and I'd sit down at the stats table with the other stat keeper from their team and we'd just sit with our pencils and we're just keeping math and watching the game and keeping math and watching the game. And I thought it was great until the day I walked into the locker room and I heard coach talking about me. 
And I won't tell you what he said, but it was along the lines of Joel being a sissy, wimpy girl kind of a thing. And, and it was devastating, right? Because reckless words pierce like a sword. And the, the words of this guy that I thought believed in me just took the legs out from under me, and it was devastating. So much so that to this day, I cannot do math and watch basketball at the same time. <laughs> it's, just, it's too painful. I'm like, change the channel. Just make it go away. But have you ever experienced that in your life? Someone just tearing you apart with their tongue. And how did that make you feel? And what did that reveal to you about them? So what does that reveal to you about yourself when you do it? When those cruel words fly off of your mouth towards another person. You know, another way that we can use our words to be cruel is not even talking directly to a person, but we can use our words to be cruel in how we talk about someone, right? So I can use cruel words and never say a thing to your face, but I can come over here with my group of friends or this circle of people, and I can talk all day long about you and use my words to be cruel about you. You know what we call that? Gossip. Let me tell you, God is not a fan of gossip. And it's one of the ways that we can use our words cruelly. Look what it says there on your message notes. Proverbs 18.8. This is actually in Proverbs twice. Proverbs 18.8 and Proverbs 26.22. It says this. It says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. You know what that means? That we love gossip. I mean, this is true of our culture, isn't it? Our culture is obsessed with gossip. I mean, that's why we have the tabloids. That's why if if you're a celebrity and you have a bad day, the entire world knows. What this proverb is saying is that for gossip to take place, there's two people involved. There's the one speaking the gossip, and there's the one eating up the gossip. And so whenever gossip's happening, two people are in the fault. There's the person sharing it, and the other person saying, tell me more, tell me more. And the reason why we like to gossip is because at one level, we do want to tear that person down. At one level, we want to hurt that other person. But another reason why we like to gossip is because it makes us feel important. Ooh, I'm on the in. I know something. Come here, I want to tell you. And suddenly, we have the, the, the attention of others, and we feel self-important. And yet, the problem with gossip is that it's wrong. It's speaking cruelly. I, I want to encourage you to do this, because this is one of the things that's so subtle in our culture that we do it sometimes even without thinking And yet it's a big deal to God. I want to encourage you to do this. If you have a study Bible, sometime later today or this week, typically in the back of your Bible, you'll have what's called a concordance. And it'll give you a list of words and it'll show you where those words are used in Scripture. So I want to encourage you, get your study Bible out sometime this week and look up the word gossip every time it's used in God's Word. If you don't have a good study Bible, go online to a website like BibleGateway.com or something like that and just look at what God has revealed to us about what He thinks about gossip. And you'll find out that God is not a fan. And so here's a question for you. As you reflect on your words this past week, have cruel words come out of your mouth? And if so, what do those cruel words reveal to you about your heart? What do those cruel words reveal to you about what's going on inside of you? Because it's something you're going to want to wrestle with God with. That's one of the ways that we can use our words. Here's another way that we see in the Proverbs that we can use our words. So here's another way. We can use our words perversely. That's that joke that you said, but you kind of had to look around to see who was around you before you said it. 
right? That's that you want to be the funny one, and so you'll kind of cross the line, and you'll go into like, like sexual humor or something like that. Yeah, that's one of the ways that we can use our words. Look at what the Proverbs say about this. Proverbs 19.1, it says this. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. So according to this proverb, if you have to make a choice in life between being somebody who's got a lot of stuff and being perverted with your mouth, or being somebody who's poor but living life right on God's terms, choose the poor man. That's what God thinks about this. That's the, that's the point of that proverb. Look at what it says here, Proverbs ten thirty two. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. What that means is that as you and I try to live the righteous life God calls us into, living life right according to God's design the best we know how, one of the things that we'll grow in is we'll know what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say. And we'll be able to to draw that line and say, yeah, I'm not going to cross that line. But the wicked person, the person that could care less about what God thinks, what line? Let's go there, right? And yet this is one of those things that are hard. I think especially for guys. I mean, ladies, you probably maybe have foul mouths too, but I hang out with guys, so I know it's more true of us than maybe for you. But I think, guys, we wrestle with this because, well, because we, we like it. You want to be the funny guy, right? You want to be the guy who's cracking the jokes. And, and I know in my own journey, God has really had to help me grow in this area. But I think a lot of times we make excuses for this. And, and so let me share with you some of the excuses that I've made in my own life that maybe some of you are making in your head right now as we talk about this and why they really don't work, right? But here, here's one of the excuses that we'll make to kind of justify this. Here's one of the things that we'll say. Well, come on, it's not that bad, right? I mean, there are a lot of things that are bad out there. It's, like, it's not like I'm murdering anybody. I'm just cracking a joke over here, right? So it's not that bad. And, and yet stop and think about that excuse. It's not that bad, which means it's still a little bad, which means it's still bad. So guess what it is? <laughs> it's bad. Even a little bad is still bad, Right? I mean, can you imagine if you tried to use that, like next time you get pulled over on the freeway because you were going too fast, and you're like, officer, I wasn't going that fast. You know, I wasn't going felony speed over the limit. It was only 10 miles over the limit. He's like, oh, well, in that case, drive on, right? Like, no, if it's bad, it's bad. Here's another way we'll try to justify this, excuses we'll make. I was just kidding, right? I was just having fun. We're just, we're just telling jokes. Like, come on, it's just, just kidding, How on earth does just kidding ever justify doing something wrong? I mean, stop and think if you applied that same excuse to other areas of life where you were doing something wrong. Imagine this. Imagine tonight you wake up in the middle of the night and you hear that dreaded sound, that bump that goes in the night. And you realize it's not you or your family. So you freak out. You call 911. The police show up and they bust this guy who is burglarizing your home. And so you're sitting at the kitchen table with one of the officers. They're filling out the report. And you're like, I'm so glad that you guys got here because I was freaking out. Hey, what are you going to do with them? What would you think if the officer said, oh, we let him go? You're like, you let him go? Why? Oh, he said he was just kidding. <laughs> like, what? Like, that makes no sense, right? And yet we apply this to this area because we think somehow if it's just kidding, it justifies doing something wrong. And then this last one, this is one that I've used and I've had people use against me or whatever, but it's that thing when somebody starts to raise this issue and kind of call you out on it, we want to say, you're just being too uptight. Relax, man, right? Now, to be sure, 
we as Christians can be too uptight. That's absolutely a true thing. I think anytime we go beyond what God has revealed to us about the life he wants from us in this book and we start to make our own rules and our own laws, we're starting to become too uptight. But where God is clear about how we're called to live, that's not being uptight. That's being obedient. And this is one of those areas where God has been very clear to us on what he thinks about this and what he wants from us. And so with the issue of perverse speech, you and I need to get uptight about this and begin to become obedient about it. Look at these verses here. Proverbs 8.13. This is Solomon writing to his son, and this is one of the things that he says. He says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So again, we see in the Proverbs this idea of the fear of the Lord and how it's such a healthy thing. We see this all throughout the Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so Solomon's saying here, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So what does that look like? I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and what? Perverse speech. So if you're letting perverse speech fly out of your mouth, guess who you don't have a fear of? God. Look at how Paul puts this, Ephesians 5 verse 4, talking to the Christians in the first century. This is what it looks like now that we belong to Jesus, the life that we're called to live. And so he says this, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And Paul prefaces this whole chapter in Ephesians 5 with verse 1 where he says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. That one of the things that God wants us to begin to do now that he's rescued us and saved us, he's called us son or daughter, is he wants to teach us to be like him. And so that's going to affect the things that come out of our mouth. That's going to affect our humor. And so here's the thing. God's not wanting you to lose your sense of humor. God's wanting to redeem your sense of humor to show you what it looks like to be funny and good at the same time. And so this is one of the things that we have to wrestle with. And so I want you to think about your life. Think about the words that have come out of your mouth this week. Has perverse speech come out of your mouth? Because if so, what do perverse words reveal about your heart? What do they reveal about what's going on in your life? Because this may be an area in your life where you need to begin to wrestle with God and let him start to work with you on this area. Okay, another area that we see in the Proverbs. Another way that we use our words is this, that we can use our words deceptively. We can use our words deceptively. So I'm going to only tell you a little bit of the truth. Uh, I'm going to hold back some information from you. Uh, you asked me what I was doing. I'm not going to tell you that sort of thing, right? And yet look at what it says here in Proverbs about this. Proverbs 26, 28, it says this. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I mean, stop and think about that. Stop and think about the last time you, you lied to someone or you spoke deceptively to them about something. Would you have said you did that because you hate that person? I, I, my guess would be no. I, anytime I've spoken deceptively, it was I would never have said I hate that person. But when we do that, guess what we're not doing? We're not being loving towards them because we're deceiving them. Now, if you're not loving someone, what's the alternative? You're hating them. There's not a real middle ground between the two. And that's what this proverb wants us to understand. Because deception will always damage our relationships. Look at this next proverb, Proverbs 15.4. It says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. So there is a way that we can use our words for good. 
but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You know what's interesting about that proverb? It doesn't say whose spirit is crushed. You stop and think about that. I think to be sure the person that you're deceiving, the person you're lying to, is crushed once the truth is found out. I mean, have you ever had that person that you realize they've been lying to you or they weren't forthright to you, whether it was a close friend or even in a business partnership? I mean, that kind of like bums you out. It ruins your day. But they're not the only person whose spirit is crushed. Because think about it. If you're the one doing the deceiving, the truth has already been found out by you. Which means that you know that in that relationship, you're not being forthright. You're holding something back. You're being deceptive in some way which means that you can no longer have honesty and openness in that relationship the way it was designed to be, which means the mask kind of comes up and you have to kind of like hide a part of yourself from that person and you have to bear the burden of deceit in that relationship. Your spirit is crushed by deceit and deception just as much as the other person. In my young 20s when I was still single, I had spoken into the life of one of my friends and and I had encouraged him to break up with his girlfriend. You know, and words have weight and so my friend took these words seriously because it wasn't a healthy relationship and so he listened to what I had said only for me to do an end run around him a short time later and hook up with his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it was bad, I know. And uh, that next day... He asked me, hey, what'd you do last night? And I couldn't tell him I made out with the girl I told you to break up with. Right? I was like, oh, nothing. You know, just kind of hung out at home. And I lied to him. And something in our relationship started to break, even though he didn't have a clue about it. And so for a month, we're hanging out as friends. And for a month, we're laughing and, and doing things together. And yet so much of that laughter from me was forced Because I knew there was something between us that I was being deceitful about, that I'd been deceptive towards him. And my spirit was being crushed because here's a friend that now I'm distant from because of what I had done. And so after about a month, I finally went to another friend and just told him what I had done. And he reacted the way some of you did when I told you that. (laughs) And then he just said to me, you have to tell him. And I said, I'll hurt him if I tell him. And he's like, you've already hurt him. You just need to do the best you can to make things right. And so I remember I went to my friend and I just, I told him I was truthful about what had happened. And I told him, I'm sorry, I make no excuses. I was a jerk. And the cool thing is, is that God was working in his life too. And so my friend was able to forgive me. We were able to work on the relationship. Our friendship was restored. So much so to the point that when I got married, he stood with me in my wedding. When he got married, I stood with him in his wedding. And that girl was nowhere in sight. So it worked out. (laughs) But deceptive words will damage your relationships because it crushes the spirit of the person you're deceiving, but yours yours as well. But not only will deceptive words damage your relationships with others, deceptive words will damage your walk with God. I mean, look at what God has to say about this. Proverbs 12, 22. This is God's word. He says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. If you want your dad to delight in you, you want your heavenly father to delight in you as his son or his daughter, then one of the ways you experience that is by being truthful. And yet truth can be scary at times, can't it? I mean, truth can cost you if you're gonna commit to being truthful. Truth can cost you opportunities in life. 
Like if you're trying to be honest about how you do business and you know there's other people that are willing to lie to get the same job you're trying to get, you gotta make a choice. Truth can cost you money. Truth can even cost you relationship because some people might not like what they discover about you. And yet what you have to decide is, am I willing to pay the price of being truthful or to keep paying the price of being deceptive? And one of the costs of being deceptive is it impacts your walk with God. Look what David says about this in Psalm 15. Psalm 15, verse 1, in this prayer, the song that he's writing to God, David asks this question. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? I mean, the question is this, God, who gets you? God, who gets to experience who you are? And in this psalm, David spells out a lot of things of what it looks like, the kind of person who gets to experience God. And in verse 4, this is what he says about part of this. So God, who gets you? Psalm 15, 4. He who keeps his oath even when it hurts. See, the truth will cost you, but what you have to decide is, what price am I willing to pay? Because if you're not going to be truthful, it's going to cost you as well. And so, are you going to be willing to pay the short-term cost of being truthful with your words and with the people in your life? Or are you going to choose to pay the long-term cost of being deceptive and dealing with the spirit that's being crushed within you and the impact on your relationships and your walk with God? Proverbs here, Proverbs twelve nineteen. it says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And so stop and think about your words this past week. Have your words been deceptive? And if they've been deceptive, what do your words reveal to you about your heart? About what's going on within you? But those are the first three that we see in Proverbs. Those are the, those are the hard ones. So here, let's talk about a happy one for a little bit, right? Because we're like, okay, everyone breathe. Everyone breathe. So here's another way that Proverbs talks about how we can use our words. We can use our words beneficially. We can use our words to help people. Look at what it says there on your notes. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And and I think when we try to envision words that are beneficial, there's probably a broad broad spectrum of words that are beneficial. I think you have words that are words that are um, kindness, that express kindness and gratitude towards another person. I think you can think of words that express encouragement and hope in another person's life, but that you and I have the ability to use words and benefit another person's life. And so have your words been those, have they been words of kindness and gratitude to people as you think about your life? And, And let me be clear, I'm not talking about like common courtesy in our culture. I'm not talking about like thanking your Starbucks barista because they got your latte right. Like, hey, thanks for that. Wow, I'm such a great person. No, I'm talking about like that genuine sincerity of going out of your way to speak words of kindness towards another person. Like maybe there's that person in your life that you just feel like God's putting it on your heart to, to give them a word of hope or to speak kindness into their life. Or going out of your way to speak words of gratitude to a person. Somebody that has done something for you and you just want them to know, I appreciate you. I appreciate you because. But there's also the other kinds of words of benefit as well, right? Words that express encouragement and hope. I mean, have you ever experienced that in your journey, in your life, where you're going through a dark season and someone came alongside of you and just spoke hope into your life? 
encourage you with their words. And I'm not talking about they went to the, the Hallmark store, read a card, and then came and spatted that to you, right? Like they gave thought to what they wanted to say and instilled hope or encouragement in your life with their words. Remember in our life group that, that I've been a part of a few seasons ago, uh, we were sharing life together. And one of the things that you do in life group is you just kind of share what's going on in your life. And then you spend some time praying together that night. And so on this particular night, we'd kind of split off women together, men together. And so the guys were just kind of huddled together, just sharing what's going on. And so some people are sharing for their marriages, for work. Uh, this was a particularly dark season in my life that I was just trying to process and figure out what God was doing and what he was stirring in my heart. And I was having a hard time even articulating it to these guys. And so I just said, like, would you just pray for me? Because I'm discouraged right now. And so we go into our prayer time, and I remember my friend begins to pray for me. And it was just such a beautiful moment for me, because as he began to pray for me, he used his words to encourage me. And he just began to say, God, I thank you for Joel. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for the things that he's been in my life. And there was something in me that just filled up with hope. Because our words can have benefit in someone's life. And that's what we're called to do as we do life together, as we be church together. And, and I love how the, it's written here in Hebrews, on your notes, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says this, And let us, incur, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And I love that idea of let us consider, let us give intentional thought to how we can do this for one another on the journey. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I, mean, I don't think there would be a man or woman in this room who would say that there's not a time in my life where I do not need that. And if we all need that, are we willing to give that to one another? And so reflect on the words that have been coming out of your mouth this past week. Have there been words that have been beneficial coming out of your mouth towards other people? Have there been words of kindness and gratitude and words of encouragement and hope? And if so, what do those words reflect and reveal to you about your heart and what's going on inside of you? At the same time, what do the absence of those words on your lips reveal to you about your heart and what's going on inside of you? See why our words matter? Our words are a big deal. Our words can reveal so much to us about our heart. And as you begin to reflect on your words, as you begin to wrestle with them, as you begin to let God into that situation, God, I'm becoming aware of my heart because I'm listening to what's coming off of my mouth. This is a great opportunity for you to begin to let God grow you and change your heart from the inside out. And so as you reflect on your words, I want to give you some questions to wrestle with as you think about your words. And so as you reflect on your words, as you think about what it is that God's starting to stir in your heart, some things he wants to grow you in, here's some questions to, to think about as you wrestle with your words. So here's the first question. As you think about your words, where do you need to shut up? Where do you just need to stop talking? Especially in those first two categories, right? Those categories of cruel words or perverse words. Where do you just need to bite your tongue and stop talking? Look at what it says here, Proverbs ten nineteen. It says this, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. I mean, if you want people to think that you're some kind of sage, like you're like a little Yoda, just stop talking. And they're just like, you are so wise. Like, 
See, I think in this area, if this is something that God's revealing to you, that, hey, there's things that come out of your mouth that aren't good, I would encourage you to begin to practice the discipline of silence in your life. And by that, I don't mean you have to be a monk who forswears talking for 10 years, you know, a vow of silence. That's not what I mean. I mean, the discipline of silence is this, that you choose to not speak in those situations that you know draw out those things from your heart. So you know you're about to go into a situation or an encounter where there's going to be some tension and it's going to be so easy for you to just let that person have it. You go in ahead of time choosing to practice the discipline of silence. I'm going to bite my tongue in this situation. You know you're going to go hang out with that group of friends and it's going to be so easy to start crossing the lines and making the jokes and trying to be funny and you know it's not going to go to a good place for you. So you choose to bite your tongue and you don't engage. And as you choose to practice the discipline of silence, you're giving God an opportunity to show up in your life and begin to birth one of the fruits of his spirit called self-control. And as you begin to practice this, it will give you a place to begin to listen and not just to other people, to listen to your heart, what's going on inside of you. And so you're in that place where it's going to be so easy to tear someone apart with your words, but you choose to practice discipline. You choose to let God move in your life. God, give me some self-control. And you begin to listen to your heart. Why is it that within me, I just want to hurt this person with my words? And you're suddenly listening to your heart, and you engage with God. God, what is this that's going on inside of me? And God wants to begin to work And one of the things that you begin to understand about a person who speaks cruel words is that a cruel person is oftentimes a wounded person. And you start to realize that maybe there's some pain in your life that God wants to begin to address. And God wants to begin to work in your heart and to begin to bring healing into your life so that you no longer go through life being a hurt person who hurts people. And so you're going to start to listen and You start hanging out and it's so easy for those jokes to roll out of your mouth and you're biting your tongue and it's everything within you not to be the funny one in this moment. And you're trying to be silent and God shows up and you're listening to your heart and something you learn about yourself, something that is so true of a person who struggles with perverse speech is that they're often an immature person. And God wants to show up in your life and he wants to begin to mature you. He wants to grow you up into the man or the woman he set you free to become. And so you learn to just shut up in those situations and let God reveal to you what's going on in your heart. Proverbs 21, 23, it says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. First question. So here's now the second question. As you think about your words, as you reflect on what's going on in your heart, where do you need to speak up? Especially if we're looking at the second to the, 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 the third and fourth, the second category of words. Words of deception or the lack of words of speaking beneficially in another person's life. Where do you need to begin to speak up into those situations? Look at what it says here, Proverbs 16, 23. It says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. That as God begins to work in your heart and growing you and changing you, you'll grow in wisdom and you'll soon, understand, you'll soon learn what it is to speak things that are helpful and good. And as you reflect on what's going on in your heart, if you struggle in the area of deception, one of the things that God's going to want to begin to challenge you to do is to begin to speak up truthfully about what's going on. 
He's going to want you to go to somebody in your life whom you can share with, hey, this is what's going on. Here's the things that I've done or here's what I've been hiding from and I want to grow, I want to change, I want to get help. And, and let me encourage you, you want to find somebody who's safe to process this with. So don't go out on the patio afterwards today and just walk up to random strangers and say, hey, let me tell you everything that's going on. That's probably not a smart choice. That means finding somebody who's safe. And here's just a simple definition of a safe person. They won't condemn you. They won't condone you. They'll love you and challenge you and help you to figure it out. It says in James 5.16, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And God may want you to begin to speak up about this deception in your life because he wants to free you from having a spirit that's crushed. And being truthful and speaking up about it is one of the ways to begin to enter into that. So where do you need to speak up? But not just in that area. Where do you need to speak up in terms of speaking beneficially into another person's life? Where do you need to begin to speak words of kindness or gratitude or encouragement and hope in another person's life? Proverbs 12, 25, it says this. It says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And so as you think about the relationships you have in your life, as you let God begin to work in your heart, where is God stirring you to start to speak up into another person's life? To speak words of hope, words of encouragement, words of gratitude, words of kindness into another person's life. And let me tell you that there are going to be people that God is going to bring into your life and he has brought you together in that moment because he's going to put something in you to share with them because he wants you to encourage them and lift them up. So where do you need to speak up? In your marriages, where does God want you to begin to speak beneficially to your spouse? Because it's all too easy to speak the other way, isn't it? And yet maybe what God wants to begin to do is turn your marriage around by changing your heart and giving you words that are beneficial in that relationship. Where does he want you to speak up in your friendships to encourage one another? Parents, parents, pay attention. Speak into your kids' lives. You have the power to instill value in them. Do not miss the opportunity God has given you to speak words of benefit into the lives of your kids. Where do you need to speak up as God is working on your heart? And here's the third question. As you reflect on your words and what God's showing you in your heart, what are you storing up in your heart? Proverbs 4.23, it says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Sounds like something Jesus said, didn't it? Look at what he says. Jesus says in Luke 6, 45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. And so what that means is that you and I can begin to affect our heart by what we choose to store up in it. So garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. And so what that means for some of us is that we're going to have to make a choice about what we're putting into our hearts. For some of us, we're going to have to stop cluttering our hearts with the debris of our culture. 
And that's not an indictment against all things in our culture because to be sure, this is a fallen world, but God still has good things in this world. And so we have to become wise about the things that we choose to embrace in this world. And I think wisdom begins to define things kind of in three categories. The first category is that there are things that are wrong. There are things that are bad. And as a follower of Christ, this has no more place in my life. So I need to rid this from my life. There are some things in life that are just neutral. Right? They're neither good nor bad. They just are. They may be bad for some of us depending on our issues and struggles, but otherwise they're just kind of neutral. And then there are things in this world that are good, things that we should be focused on, things that we should be storing up in our heart. And one of our responsibilities on the journey as we follow after Jesus is to begin to rid ourselves the best we can with his help of the things that are bad. And yet here's the thing. Sometimes that's as far as we ever go. Okay, I've got the bad out of my life, and so I just kind of live in neutral. But here's the thing. If you're only putting neutral in your life, guess what's coming out? Zero. Right? Blah. And God doesn't call us to be a people who are blah. (laughs) He calls us to be a people who speak good. And so we have to begin to get the good things into our heart. And so one of the best places to start is obviously with God's word. Getting God's word in our heart. So God, through his word, can begin to change our heart. So that God can begin to get his word to come out of our mouths because of getting it into our heart. So how are you getting God's word into your heart? Here's just a simple thing to think about. What do you do on Monday with what you learned on Sunday? Continuing that going. Say, okay, God, I learned this yesterday. I don't want to forget it today as I go into the rest of my week. Read Philippians 4, 8 sometime this week on your own journey as you begin to figure out what are the good things I need to store up in my life. Paul gives a really good kind of just, here's a general rule of thumb. Whatever is this, whatever is this, think about these things. Philippians 4, 8. Great passage to think on. And so some questions to wrestle with as you reflect on the words that come out of your mouth. Because our words matter. Our words have weight. Our words have impact in this world and our words reveal a lot about what's going on inside of us. So we're gonna use our words right now as we go into a time of worship together. As we sing these songs out, we're gonna sing them with our words and and here's what I wanna invite you to do in this time as we go into this time of worship together. I, I want you to reflect on whatever it is that maybe God has been stirring in your heart as we've been talking together. And I want you to go before him with those things and say, God, you're showing me something about my heart. And God, if I'm going to be honest, it hurts a little bit, but it's a hurt that's for my good. So help me to embrace this with you. God, show me what it is you want to change about my heart. And I want to give this to you in this time of worship. And as we go before him together, as we sing these words out, if these words reflect the desire of your heart, then sing them out to him. Give them as a worship, an act of praise to him. If these words do not reflect the desire of your heart, then just be still before him and say, God, would you help me understand what's going on inside of my heart? God, why is it that this isn't a reflection of what's going on in my heart? And so God, would you meet me in this moment? And if you just want to be still before him in this time, that's great because that's still worship because you're engaging with him in this time. And so would you stand and pray with me as, the, as I invite the ushers to come forward to collect our gifts and our offering. And so, Lord, we want to come before you in this time. And Lord, we want to give you an offering of praise. And Lord, we want it to be so much more than just lip service. Lord, we want this to be true, to reflect the desire of our heart. 
And so, Lord, would you meet with us in this time? And God, the things that you have shown us, if, if you're convicting us on something, give us the courage to bring that to you in this time. That you want to meet with us. You want to change our hearts. You want to transform us from the inside out into the men and the women you've created us to be, the men and the women you've rescued us to become. And so, God, we give you permission to have your way with us in this time. And we look to you to help us and to lead us into the freedom you've come to give us. And so would you take these gifts, these offerings, and would you take this worship as a pleasing sacrifice to you? We love you, Lord. You understand it's his love for you that can give you the courage to listen to your words. It's his love for you that gives you the courage to look inside of here and not be afraid of what you find because he poured his grace upon your life to free you from whatever it is that's going on here. That's the hope that we have. And so may you listen to your words this week and let God meet you in what it is he's showing you there because he came to free you from that. So your words have weights. Wield them well. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at the peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.